Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 108 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Got a big show for everybody today, so we'll just jump right into it. We got a lot to get to, so we'll go ahead and start the show the same way we do every week, and that's by jumping into the breakdown. Breakdown is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in the world and Infinity Park. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. That's O. And E-I-L-L-S dot com. So we'll go ahead and start off the, the show with the 2021 Rugby Town 7's recap. We've got a lot to talk about about this tournament. Uh, Samurai RFC won the 2021 Rugby Town 7's last weekend. Lots of great games. It was an awesome tournament. I'm still trying to recover from it because I was there for all 62 matches, uh, you know, from the first kickoff on Friday to the last one on Sunday evening. Uh, it was a long weekend of rugby, but it was awesome. It was good to have it back finally after a year off. Uh, we missed it. So, like I said, Samurai beat the SoCal Griffins in the final. The Ramblin' Jesters beat Team Germany in the third-place match. Tsunami Barbarians beat D-Block Santa Rosa in the plate final. USA U23s beat Sabercat 7s in the bowl final. And Denver 7 Selects beat Gorilla Rugby in the Shield final. So here's the dream team as selected by Dallin Stanford. DeWald Human from Samurai, Ryan Oosthuizen from Samurai, Ty Inosa from the SoCal Griffins, Malachi Esdale from the Ramblin' Jesters, Bastian Vanderbosch from Team Germany, DeMonte Noble from Tsunami Barbarians, and Lucas LeCamp from the USA U23s. Navy's Phil Dalk won the 2021 Jon Snow MVP award. DeWald Human of Samurai won the Player of the Final award, and Peter Co of the SoCal Griffins won coach of the tournament. So that's kind of the, you know, the breakdown of who won what, you know, the, the dream team selections and the awards. So we go ahead and talk about the Colorado Exos and their showing at the Rugby Town Sevens. And they had a decent showing, honestly. After, if you asked me, like, at the after the first two matches, uh, I wouldn't have said that. Uh, but they were in the toughest pool of the bracket. They were in with the Ramblin' Jesters, who won the tournament in 2019. Team Germany, which is German, you know, Germany's national sevens team. Barbados and the North American Lions. So they had a tough first two matches against the Jesters and Team Germany. They didn't score a point. But they rebounded with a win over Barbados. They looked good doing it. And then they played the North American Lions really, really tough on Saturday. So they improved throughout the course of the weekend. That's all you can ask for. And they should be proud of the way they played and how they improved throughout the course of the weekend, just the effort they put forth and everything. Uh, it was just fun to watch them play rugby. I know a lot of people were looking forward to watching them play sevens, and I think they delivered. Uh, you know, they got, It took them a little bit to get their bearings, but once they, once they did, they looked right at home. Uh, and they played a, played a good couple of games. So it's fun to watch them. Daytuan Sheridan, I thought, looked really good on the weekend. Uh, he was making a lot of monster tackles, scored a couple of tries too. So it's fun to see him run around. He, from what I've seen, just like in my research and, and looking up stuff, when we had Daytuan on the show a couple months ago, was that he looks like a natural sevens player. Uh, whenever he plays sevens, he shines. So he he lit up the weekend. It was fun to watch. David Still and Sean Clark, you know, the XOs that were playing on the USA U23s, both looked good. They both had good tournaments. They both turned quite a few heads. So that's good to see as well. Uh, and then on a much more serious note, I'm happy to report that Army's Scott Lavalla is doing much better. So if you were at the matches on Saturday evening, you likely saw Scott get carted off the pitch during the Jesters Army Rugby Union match on Saturday evening. 
A French publication put out a piece that said he was doing better, and Army Rugby posted on Thursday that he was back up and moving around, which is great news. So I'll go ahead and read you the post from Army Rugby. It says, quote, what a warrior. After retiring from rugby to join the Army as a special operations medic, Scott decided to have another go and represent the Army in the game he loves. While it didn't end as expected, he still fights on. He's up and walking around just days after a collision that left him without feeling below his neck. They won't let him leave the hospital quite yet as he goes through rehab, but he's already trying to figure out what he can do for his unit until he's fit to fight again. Thanks again for all the thoughts and prayers for our guy Scotty. While Legos are still kicking his ass, he's still cracking jokes and ready to be back in action, end quote. So if you didn't see the play, it was like he was just, Scott was just going into the ruck uh, and a teammate was trying to jump across the ruck to play some defense and you know, just kind of like got bumped in, in the midst of rugby and it just hit him just like just perfectly with his head was down and um, he went down. It was a pretty scary scene, but we're, I'm super glad to hear that he's doing better and it sounds like he's going to be okay, which is awesome. That's all you can hope for. So good news, uh, you know, on the back of a really good weekend with, you know, the injury with standing, that was really the one low point of the whole weekend and um, we're very happy to hear that he's doing much better and uh, we can we can move past that and just really enjoy the the weekend that was Rugby Town Seven. So, great news! Happy to hear all that stuff, and that's kind of the Rugby Town Sevens recap. So, hopefully, you made it out. Uh, got to catch some rugby. I know we were giving away some tickets on the DNVR Rugby Twitter account. It seems like a lot of people went out. Uh, the people that won the tickets had a great time. Um, it was awesome seeing the tweets and and, and everything of it. People enjoying the games. And uh, I'm glad, yeah, so if you, I hope you got, I hope you got to catch some of it. I hope you got to catch it in person. If you didn't, you can catch all the replays on rugbytown7s.com. Uh, it was an awesome tournament. I was glad I was back, and I was glad I got to go experience it in person. So moving into the next piece of the breakdown, we'll go ahead and talk about some Premier Rugby 7s news. Uh, USA Rugby announced on Wednesday, or maybe Wednesday or Tuesday earlier this week, this whole week's blending together after this weekend, the uh, official sanctioning agreement with Premier Rugby Sevens as the highest level of domestic seven-a-side rugby. So this adds some legitimacy to the organization, of course. USA Rugby and Premier Rugby Sevens finalize sanctioning agreement and collaborate to host two Rugby Sevens crossover camps as part of the Talent Transfer Project. That's a kind of a tongue twister. Extending the southern region of the United States. Uh, the Talent Transfer Project looks to open Rugby Sevens pathway to high-performance athletes in other sports. PR7s to hold open trials on September 12th in Memphis, Tennessee, followed by TTP camps on September 25th in Charlotte, North Carolina, and October 3rd through 9th in Memphis, alongside the PR7s inaugural championship. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? I'm just kidding. But we've seen, you know, in the past that especially like Carl and Oz, Perry Baker, like these sevens players have, you know, the, the most successful sevens players in the United States rugby history at, to this point have come from um, football backgrounds, have come from track backgrounds, they've come from other sports. So this is just another pathway and another way to explore, you know, that crossover channel. And I think it's good, you know, obviously being around the XOs, I've seen firsthand how well it's working and the potential that it could have. And I think in, in sevens, it'll be expedited and it's gonna be awesome. Uh, and the more, you know, the more I'm learning about this, this PR sevens competition, the more I'm getting excited for it. And it's gonna be here before we know it. We're talking about these open trials in less than two weeks. I'm sure we'll see some good stuff come out of that. And then, of course, the inaugural championship in Memphis uh, in just a little over a month and a half or so. 
will be fun to keep an eye on. So, of course, as you know, as we get closer, as more stuff comes out, we'll be talking about it. We'll be reading about it. We'll be paying attention to it. Uh, and then I wanted to make sure I touched on this, as if you listened to the show last week, this is what I said we would talk about this week, is that they announced their team names last week, and, and they're interesting. They're interesting, to say the least. So each team represents a region of the United States. So the first team, we've got the experts. They represent the Mountain West. If you look at the logo, it looks like a double black diamond, like ski slope. We've got the headliners, which is like a guitar uh, head. And they represent the Mid-South. we got the Locals, which is like a Subway-looking logo. They represent New York. We have the Loggerheads. Uh, that's Cascadia. We've got the Loonies, which represents the North. And then last but certainly not least, we've got the Team. So the Team is called just the Team. Uh, they represent Texas and the Great Plains, and their logo looks like a couple of horses. So obviously the Team is the most interesting name Uh wasn't expecting to see a team, you know, named team, but it seems like they're embracing it. If you look at their Twitter bio, it says, yes, we're really named the team or something along those lines. So we wanted to make sure I touched on those things, uh, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm excited to see who's placed on these teams. I know I think four of the teams will have women's sides attached to them, and then obviously as this kind of takes off and they look to expand, they'll, they'll you know, probably brought them all out to have women's sides. So... See how they fill out. Uh, you know, I think being from the Mountain West, we got to root for the experts. I think, um, but the team is enticing. It's, it'd be fun to root for a team named the Team. Go ahead and close out the breakdown. The last little bit of news I wanted to talk about, and that's the Major League Rugby draft. So again, this is something I wanted to talk about last week, but it was the Rugby Town Sevens episode. So we're talking about it now. Draft took place last Thursday. Consisted of three rounds. And really, I want to talk about this because our guy, Zach Bostris from the University of Northern Colorado, was drafted 34th overall in the third round to the New England Free Jacks. So congrats to Zach. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's the only local guy to get picked. So I just got to root for the Colorado guys, of course, and uh, wishing Zach the best of luck up in New England. And it'll be fun to keep an eye on him as he kind of goes through his MLR career. So moving into all the rugby you can watch this weekend this is a slow weekend for rugby. There's not a whole lot going on. Really, the only thing I think that's going on is we've got the Paralympics wheelchair rugby uh, on all weekend with the medal matches on Sunday. You can catch all of those matches on NBCOlympics.com. Moving into next week, there's going to be a lot more rugby to watch around the world, so I'm already compiling my list, getting ready for next week's show. We're going to jump into the interview portion of the show now. Speaking of the Olympics, we have USA Olympic Sevens player Cody Melfi on to talk about his rugby career, his journey to the Olympics, and then we had a really good conversation just about capitalizing on opportunities, something that Cody's done incredibly well throughout his rugby career. It's something that I admire of him, something that, you know, I said it on the podcast, but when you when you give these opportunities, if you gave them to 100 people, I don't think 95 of those 100 people would, would take these opportunities that he's been presented. And he really has kind of gone about it the long way. There's been nothing has been, you know, just been like handed to him. Um, he's had to work for everything he's got. And he did all he did that all the way to the Olympics. So I think it's an awesome story. It was fun to catch up with him. Uh, you actually used to play rugby with Cody back in the day. So it's good to catch up with him on the podcast, talk about all this stuff. I saw him wandering around Rugby Town Sevens a little bit last weekend too. So it was good to see him in person. But I won't yap too much more about it. So with that, we'll go ahead and kick it to my conversation with USA Rugby 7's Olympian, Cody Melfi. All right, now we welcome on a very special guest to the DNVR Rugby Podcast, Olympian, uh, Coloradan, my former teammate, 
uh, Cody Melfi. Cody, how's it going, my friend? It's amazing, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And thanks for all the love you've been giving me. Of course, man. That's that's my job. I got to boost up the Colorado guy, especially on this DNVR rugby podcast stuff. So uh, very pleased to have you on. So for those that don't know, like I said in the intro, Cody's Olympian just finished uh, playing in Tokyo this last summer. And of course, we'll get to that. But but Cody, the first question we ask everybody that comes on the show, is just tell us a little bit about where you're from. Yeah, so I'm from Colorado, um, born and raised, and I grew up in Littleton, went to Heritage High School, and um, ventured off into college in Colorado as well until I kind of decided college wasn't for me. And uh, two years later, college was for me again, and ended up going to Life University on a scholarship, so a little bit about you know where I came from yeah I think you have a super interesting story just like in terms of your rugby career and how you got into it so I guess that'll be the first question I ask and then we'll, we'll get into the weeds a little bit so how did you get into rugby because what sport did you used to play yeah so I was multi-sport growing up but soccer was my main sport and I did wrestling in the winter because I found it fun but yeah I grew up playing soccer my whole life I thought I was going to be a professional soccer athlete and now I'm a professional rugby player. But in high school, when I was 18, I actually had a friend, Jesus Flores. He's no longer with us anymore. But um, he was talking to some of my friends and he was saying he's starting a rugby team. And I was like, overheard. I, all I did, I overheard. I was like, a rugby team? Like, I want to play something new. So I ended up going out to that first practice and it was so much fun. Like, Jesus was the only one who knew how to play rugby, which was amazing. And there was like 35 of us that knew nothing about rugby, but we all had so much fun. And so we just kept showing up. That's an interesting story. And I'm sure if you ask like anyone our age, uh, obviously I played with you for a little bit, but if you ask anyone our age, like how they got into rugby, like Jesus is probably involved in in some way, shape or form. So that is interesting. And that's a good turnout. 35 people. That's, that's good turnout for only Jesus knowing how to play. So do you remember like when you caught the bug? Like, was it at that first practice? Was it like in, a, in maybe in your first match? Like, do you, there's a question I like to ask rugby people because it's so different for everybody. Like, so do you remember when y- you were hooked? Like when you're like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, I think it was a two part hook because the first one was that first practice where we're just like out there running around and like coach Charlie and coach Ethan are like telling us, trying to tell us what to do. And we're just like, we're just going to like hit each other. <laughs> and then, and then that next weekend, like one week of practice, um, we go out and play and we play mountain Vista, I think. And we, we, be, we like run them into the ground 80 zero. And all the boys were just like, Holy cow, we're hooked. So, <laughs> wow. That's funny, man. So like, when did you realize it was something you wanted to take seriously? Cause I know you just said that you, you were focused on soccer. And then if I'm not mistaken, you actually went to college to play soccer originally, right? Yeah. So I went to college. Um, I was a freshman walk on at Metropolitan State University of Denver. And the only position open was right back. I was more of a forward and that's the position I went for. That's the position I played. Mm-hmm. And I actually got the most minutes on the team as a walk on freshman, which was pretty cool. Um, after that first year, I kind of just fell out of love with soccer. And I was like, you know what, this isn't for me. And, and I, um, I ended up doing one more year of school and dropped out of school as well. And during that time, I joined Glendale. And it was kind of a thing, like from the first start, I was, I was playing with Glendale 15s and I was playing with Littleton Rugby 7s. And from the beginning, I just started watching high-level rugby. I was watching the HSBC 7 series since t- 2012. I went to every single Las Vegas 7s. I went to six in a row, I think, six years in a row. <laughs> I mean, back in 2000, 
12, I think I can't remember if it was South Africa. Yeah. That one. And we rushed the field and we're all just like running onto the field, but kind of, it was always an early thing for me. It was always like, you know, I looked up to this type of rugby. I want to be a high level player and everything I did, I just want to be the best. So um, it was really early. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's interesting because I know like it had to be like a, was it a hard decision to leave soccer or were you just kind of like, I'm just done with this. Like that's how it kind of was with me, I guess. I just didn't want to play football anymore. And uh, I obviously didn't play in college or anything like that. But like, how did you come to that decision? Just like, I'm over this. Yeah, I mean, it was like kind of two part things. Uh, mostly, I just kind of fell in love with soccer. But the other the other part of it was, you know, the way soccer was going. And, you know, my coach one day told me to fall in the box when I didn't. And it was just kind of like, you know what, that's not the type of soccer that I used to play growing up. Like this game used to be way different. And mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I had just played it so long. I played it since I was three. I played for 16 years. Maybe I just got worn out from it too. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair answer. Uh, what, um, so you're playing with Glendale, you're playing with Littleton. Like, can you explain to me just kind of how the doors opened for you from there then? Because like you said, you, you had dropped out of school, but you, you know, eventually end up going to life. So like, how did, I guess the, the gap in between that and life come about? How did, how did the opportunity go to life happen? Yeah, absolutely. So at Glendale, you know, anybody knows this, like, you know, they were powerhouse of rugby the last 10 years. And when I was there, I was 19 years old, you know, 175 pounds, first year of rugby, um, you know, sorry, D3, D2, D1, PRP. And once I got to that top level, you know, at Glendale, I was behind a bunch of Eagles, man. I was like, yeah. you know, Ata, Nessie, <laughs> Malifa and the positions I wanted to play. So I was like stuck on the wing and fullback. And I just wasn't like getting the progression, the the looks I really wanted. And luckily I just did really well in a couple tournaments and was seen by Steve Lynch, who who helped with recruiting at Life University. And he kind of reached out to Tui Osborne and to Colton Cariaga. And they they gave me a call and said, Hey, we'd like to give you a little two-week trial. Um, school starts in three weeks. Can you get down here now? And it was like a like instant snap of the finger where i was like okay all of a sudden i live in georgia (laughs) yeah and what was that like like was that was that hard for you being a colorado guy like you you went to metro and then all of a sudden you're down to the south yeah uh it was weird at first i mean the first practice i showed up to I, i got off the plane and you know i already i knew that i was showing up going straight to practice so i had like my practice like sliders on some socks ready to go and have my cleats in my hand and i showed up to practice and we're on this like upper field. It's soaking wet. Um, like it's muddy long, like the horse grass, you know, that, yeah, like yeah. that's a grass you never see in Colorado. <laughs> like, and, and then it starts pouring and I'm like, and it's 90 degrees. Yeah. And I'm like, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> what was it? How was life? What was your experience like there? Oh my gosh. It was a brotherhood. I mean, it was so cool. I, it was my first real experience of like getting a full time experience of rugby and like, mm. You know, at, at Glendale Men's Rugby, all that, you play two, three, four times a week. Um, at Life University, we played every single day. I mean, I touched a rugby ball every single day. And it was so that opportunity to just kind of thrive and be in a full-time environment and around people who knew more than I did. And I mean, I've always been a student of the game, so I'm always trying to soak up everything. So when I got there, I knew, like, this is the top of the top. Let me soak everything up now. Let, let, me, get, let me get even more um, knowledge on this game. And so that's what I did. I just began soaking everything up and, and it became a brotherhood. I, you know, I started from the bottom there too. I, yeah. I was a walk on at life university too. I got uh-huh. no scholarship when I showed up too. 
just grinding it out everywhere you're going, man. So how long were you there? You were there for what, three years then? Just about two, two and a half years. Okay. And then what happens after that? Because you end up going to the army. You like, how soon is that after your time at life? <laughs> So right after I graduated, so we had the CRCs in June, um, graduated, I joined um, Denver Barbarians, the men's sevens program. We went to nationals and then I played Surrey Rugby Town. Um, and then I got invited out to two USA Rugby camps. So one was an incubator and then I did well in that. So I got invited to like a regular senior men's um, group. Mm -hmm. And after that one is when they kind of offered me residency where so this is, it's a little bit long because okay. they, they offered me residency and at the time I was engaged and I had just been away from Peyton, my wife for two and a half years going to life. So I was like, I can't do this. Like it was rugby housing. It wasn't like the pay I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so I became a what you call a remote soldier or a remote uh, player and you just fly in for tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. And when I got back home, I actually got a call from Colton Carriaga, the coach at life university and he told me about the army and the world-class athlete program so he was like hey you could join the army get paid and play rugby and that's kind of where the army came from so i had never in my like i always you know everybody wants to be a navy seal when they're a kid yeah. but i'd never in my life really focused and been like okay i'm gonna i'm going into the military so like <laughs> this was out of the blue man this was yeah. it was uh, you know, from right field. How long do you have to, how long do you think about that? Like when he calls you to when you enlist, what, what is that time frame looking like? So it was about 14 days. And oh I'll, goodness, I'll tell you what, you, in the you are like the king of like spur oh. decisions, right? Like we're talking yeah. about, you know, school starts in three weeks, come down to Georgia. Hey, you're going to be in the army in two weeks. If you want to continue, that's some crazy stuff, dude. That I cannot imagine that. Yeah, no. So the army, it was two weeks, but I'll tell you what, every single day I spent about 10 to 12 hours researching every yeah. little thing I could about this program, about the army, like reassuring my mom and dad that I wasn't going to go, <laughs> you know, to, to the middle East right. during my, during my time in the army. Um, and like just all this reassuring stuff, like, okay, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be good. Like, this is what's best for me and going forward, if I really want to be on that national team and really want to accomplish my goals, this is what's best for me. So it's a no brainer at that point. Wow. So what was that like? Like, did, was there days where you were like, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is horrible. Or, or you know, how did, you know, what was that like? I'm just curious. Yeah. So we did 14 weeks straight of training and, you know, this is like waking up at 3:45 AM and going to bed at 10 p.m. every night training. Um, and, and when you go to bed at night at 10 p.m., you're not going to bed. Every hour, you know, someone, there's pe four people in your bay have to be up, you know, monitoring your bay, like protecting right. it. And so we're, I'm up every two hours. You're like, I'm the guy protecting the bay every two hours. So like, really, you're getting like three hours a night of sleep. You're just getting crushed by your drill sergeants. They're coming in middle of the night like you know something's wrong you know something's always wrong you know drenching you with hoses they're they're just <laughs> trying to do whatever you can like to mess with you and yeah I'll, I'll always remember like one of the roughest moments is we we did seven day like field exercise training and so what it means is you're just out in the field and so i was i went to um missouri for my um for my basic training in the winter and so we're out in the field. We, we find these like little rabbit holes. Like we dig our own rabbit holes. Me and my uh, battle buddy were right next to each other. And for seven days, we're out in this like negative, like 10 degree weather. 
sleeping, getting up. Same thing. You got to get up at 3.45 a.m., get ready oh. for the day, but your like, clothes are freezing. Like, And there was a moment where I was like, what? What am I doing here? Why did I do this? <laughs> yeah. So that, that Missouri cold's a little bit different too. It's like heavier, like sits on you a little bit different than it does here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cold. So you do that for 14 weeks. So then what's it look like after that? Like, then are you like, how do you go about getting in the world-class athlete program? Like, are you just in it from the beginning or do you have to do this first and then like apply for something? Like, how does all that work? Yeah. So it was written into my contract, which was the best part. And the, the nice. only reason that I did it yeah. because I, I'd heard about like, you know, one of my buddies, Will Holder, it took him two years to, to apply and get into the program. And so the only reason I did it was because it was written into my contract. Okay. So you do, you do basic training and then what's life look like for you? Yeah. So I graduated basic training and AIT, which is my like job training, job specific training on mm-hmm. February 12th. On the 17th, I moved to San Diego and on the 22nd, I get chosen for the Las Vegas HSBC sevens tournament. Perfect. And again, another quick turnaround, but uh, I do have a question though. So like, I remember when, uh, Nate Ebner was, you know, making his push for the, uh, Rio Olympics back in 2016. And I was reading a lot of articles about how he was, you know, talking to a lot of NFL media guys that maybe aren't as familiar with rugby. And he's talking about how like training for that, the Olympics, like that sevens training was some of the, you know, hardest stuff that he's done. Does that, I mean, does that even stack up to the military stuff? Like is sevens training, like when you, when you, you know, have a bad day or something, you have a big day of, of fitness testing or something, you're just like, oh, this is nothing. I'm not digging holes out in the middle of Missouri. Yeah. It's, it's just different. <laughs> uh, rugby sevens training is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. The, yeah. the military training was the hardest mentally thing I've yeah. ever done in my life. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. I needed to make sure I asked you that, though. That's what I was yeah. thinking about when I, when I went into all that stuff. So, no, I mean, you're in the program now. So I guess, you know, you're working your way through. You just made the Olympics. Um, is that you kind of want to jump to that or are we missing some some major points in the middle of that stuff right there? Uh, no, there's nothing really that major in between. I mean, um, no, yeah, yeah, let's jump. All right. So, yeah, you just got back from the Olympics and I know uh what have you been up to, I guess, since then, right? You've taken some well-deserved time off. I saw you walking around Rugby Town last week. It was good to, to see you in person for the first time in a while. Um, yeah. You got your tattoo. So what else have you kind of been doing in your little bit of a break? Yeah, so um, Team USA kind of put us up in Universal Studios for a few days, which was cool. And then from there, I went and saw my mom in Tampa and for about a week. And then I came back to Colorado to see my dad and I kind of, I ended up extending my stay an extra week so I could watch rugby town sevens. Cause I'm just always, I'm a fan of rugby. So I was like, all right, let's watch it. And I, know, watch. I was talking to you last week. Like, have you ever not played in that? That was, this was your first one just watching, right? Yeah. This is the first one since two, 2012. I haven't played. How, how bad did you want to play? Funny enough. I didn't want to play. I really? was I was good. I was content. Really, man, that's interesting. Like I thought, like once you got in there and started watching a little bit, you'd get the you get the itch. I do have a more of a respect for the fans. So, like, shout out to the fans that sit, sit there for three days straight because I know I was hot, I was sweaty, I got sunburned, my butt hurt from <laughs> from the concrete. Oh yeah, and that in itself is so respectful that people sit out there and watch us play because all we do is play 14 minutes you know every three hours right. you know, we're out there for less than an hour a day they, they were out there all day yeah dude it's it's a gr- i'm not you know <laughs> you're still watching <laughs> rugby but i i do know what you mean those are some long days you have to be a dedicated rugby fan to to endure that weekend 
Um, but Cody, I wanted to ask you, like, you've played in all these big sevens tournament, you know, all over the world, the Olympics now, uh, obviously all over the circuit. Like, how does this tournament stack up to, to some of those things? Um, rugby town. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a different, it's a stepping stone. And that's what I think is so awesome about rugby town. It is, it is an international invitational tournament. So it's, you know, it's bigger than men's national sevens, but it's not anywhere near, to be honest, what the men's senior national level is, yeah. but it's that, it's that stepping stone where like, okay, I'm, I'm competing, you know, sometimes there's lower level teams, but then there's this high level teams that you're like, you know, there's Olympians out there, right? There's people who have played, you know, 25 stops on the world series and, you know, over 25 caps, there's those type of guys out there. And so it's that opportunity to kind of stack up and, and say, mono e mono, you know, let's see what I can do. And it's that stepping stone into that next level. That's interesting. I'm curious to see because, like, I, you know, I never played in rugby town, and I've heard a lot of different things from a lot of different people, but you have such a unique perspective having played in so many of them and then, of course, you know, making the national side and, and playing on the circuit and playing in the Olympics. Uh, so I guess now we can jump into the Olympics. I, I mixed up my questions a little bit. Uh, so can you take me through, like, kind of how you got selected because the selection came like a little bit differently this year, right? It was on the back of, you know, a Ben Pinkelman injury, but I just wanted to like, what was that like for you? Like the timeline, yeah. I know you made a TikTok about, it. I was, I was watching it, you know, over the last few weeks or so, but I'm just interested to hear about the timeline of your selection and just kind of how it came about. Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything else in my life. It just kind of doesn't happen the perfect way. And so you know, selections come um, the Sunday afternoon after the quest for gold. And just like any other selection, they come through an email. And so selections came in and my name wasn't on the board and it wasn't anywhere near. It wasn't even on the reserves. So, you know, that first day is a lot of like, at first, it's all sadness that first day. It's just kind of right. like, damn, you know, I just didn't make it. I, I, I did everything I could and I didn't make it. And then the next day is like madness, like, man. You know, you're mad at the coach, you're mad at yourself, you're mad at, you know, it's just like you, you have this madness. And then that's kind of that third day is when you kind of get the reckoning, like, you know what, if I was in my teammates positions, what would I want out of myself? And, it, and it's to be the best teammate you can and to help those guys prepare and get, get to the Olympics and, and go compete and, and win. And so by that third day, you're kind of, you're, you're back into it. I mean, we're all professional athletes, so we understand disappointment and not getting selected like that. So you're back into, you're back at training, you're back doing everything. So a week and a half go by and, you know, Ben is still, you know, in, you know, out because of his back and he goes in for a couple of shots. They don't work. And I mean, he steps up and he does the biggest thing, you know, it's really hard, but oh, you know, yeah, he pulled could, himself out. I couldn't even imagine. Like again, you work so hard for this thing, and then to have to to come out with the injury to make the decision to do that, it would be incredibly difficult. Yeah, I, I think that um, he could have probably gone to, um, as in like they would have they would have taken him, but he he stepped up and he said, you know, this isn't what best for the team. Um, I'm not going. And even at that point, like he's a forward, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm I'm a halfback at ten, you know. I'm not, I'm not the guy filling in for that position, right. you know, I, in no sense in my mind was I ever like, okay, sweet. Like, here we go. I'm, I'm in, I never would have thought in a hundred days that that would have been me. So a day goes by and Mike like approaches me and he kind of just wants to talk about selections because we hadn't talked about them yet. So we talked about selections next and he kind of gives me wind that like, Hey, you know, we're looking at all the, all the people we could, you may or may not come into the squad. 
the next day I showed up in the morning and he, he kind of pointed at me. It was like, Cody, come here. And like sat me down in two chairs and kind of just, he just put out his hand and shook my hand and said, congratulations. And yeah. it was like, you're, you're in the squad. What did that feel like? Ah, uh, man, I still like get choked up about it. Like yeah. thinking about it is like, I couldn't believe it. Like I just could not believe that it was me that was selected, you know, out of everybody right. that could have gone, it was me. I know there's like been people that I've talked to you about you just like, and it's just basically what you've just told me. Like, it's cool to see you get this opportunity because like you've done, you've done everything you've could, like you've taken the doors I've opened for you, like to get to this point, right? Like I'm sure there was a piece of you that really didn't want to move to Georgia, like on three weeks notice. And I'm sure, you know, joining the army wasn't your first choice, but, but you like take these chances and you, you, you go through the doors that open for you and, you know, as I've like been around some of these XO guys and I've talked to them about like how they've made the decision to even try rugby. It's like, I've talked to people that have been like, you need, when an opportunity like opens for you, you got to take it because that can lead to another opportunity. And you were like a living, breathing example of that. And you did that literally all the way to the Olympics. I just think that's freaking awesome, man. And I know that 99% of the people wouldn't have done that stuff. So that's kind of like how I look at it. I just think it's I, like I admire you for that. And it's it's cool to be able to talk to you about this whole journey. Yeah, thank you, man. I, <clears throat> if I could tell anybody anything is like, don't let opportunity pass, man. The opportunities are coming in your life for a reason. No matter how scared you are, like take advantage of those opportunities because they've gotten me so far. And I know they'll get everybody else further in their life, too. Yeah, I mean, that's good advice to take. So so you you make the team now and you're going to Tokyo um so you're like a correct me if i'm wrong you were listed as like an alternate right um yeah or, so i was the 13th man yeah, yeah. alternate so you so but you get to make your debut against south africa correct yeah what was that like so running out on the field just becoming an olympian is one of the most incredible feelings it was like all my dreams everything i ever wanted everything my biggest goal in life was becoming an olympian and it was all happening when I ran out on the field. So it was just it encompassed all this feeling of like success mm -hmm. and and gratitude. So that was like the second day of the like sevens competition, correct? Yes. So it what, was. what what did you do for the first day? Like were you in the well, stands? Like how how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in the stands. Um 13th man. I was um I, I warm up with the team. I do mm -hmm. everything with the team. I'm in the I'm in the locker room the whole time. A to Z, everything I do with the team, except for run out on the field. Yeah. So when they get ready to run out the field, I run up to the stands and I kind of watch from the stands with the seven other people that were there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so was it always in the cards for you to for you to play that second day or like how did that come about? So the really cool thing about the Olympics and rugby town kind of took on the same mantra was that that 13th man is a playable man at any point and you can put him in and out of your roster and that was kind of what mike came to me and told me is like we strategically put you in there because yeah. we believe in what you can do for our um for our team in certain games and so i didn't know when my opportunity was going to come and i really thought it was going to come on day one against like kenya or ireland because those are just good matchups for me and something that you know would have been good for me to take on with the team but it came on that day two against south africa and I couldn't be more thankful because I, I always I feel like I always play South Africa. Like every <laughs> every time I play a tournament, I'm always playing South yeah. Africa. Interesting. No, that's awesome, man. I know it was good to see you run out. 
and like I said, it, it was like a piece of me because I did play with you very briefly. So it's cool to see like my teammates and people I know like go on to do awesome stuff like this. And it's cool to catch up with you now about all that stuff too. So I guess overall, what was the experience at the Olympics like? Like I know probably wasn't the results that you guys wanted, but was not a bad showing like at all to say the least, right? I feel like everybody here is very proud of uh, of the, the performance put forth by you and the women's team. That's just how was the experience at the Olympics overall? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, exactly that. It was just an experience. It was, you know, I had no really high expectations for anything. Um, there's a lot of COVID protocols, so we're pretty much locked down to our rooms and to the Olympic yeah. village. So we didn't really get to get out. We didn't get to see a lot of stuff, but I did see a lot of athletes. I did interact with a lot of people. Um, I was able to, there was a bunch of stuff to do in the village. Um, so it was just an overall, it was really, um, <clears throat> how would I explain it? It, was just, it just felt good to be a part of it. I was yeah. like, you know, I've accomplished and I've, I've sacrificed and I am, I am here as an Olympian. It was yeah. just felt really good to be there and be able to say that. I feel like I was asking you this last week, but did, did you get to see like any super famous people? Like, is there anybody that like, have you been starstruck before in your life? Like was the, did it come at this tournament or how did that work? Um, I haven't ever really been starstruck to be honest, because I've always like since a young age, like understood that, no matter how big or famous yeah. or, we're all still like people we're all still like yeah. and i've kind of carried that mantra into myself like i'm still i still like to go home and play video games yeah. and have fun like that you know like i'm still no matter how like olympic or whatever it is puts in front or behind my name it's like i'm still a person i'm still so i think the coolest person i saw was yao ming and yeah. the only reason is because i walked by him and he's like huge. towered over <laughs> me he was huge so do you know, like, I have a question. I don't know if this, you might know the answer. Like, do all the NBA guys like do their own thing? Like they're not staying in those, in the village with you or they have like, yeah, a big hotel yeah, or they, something? No, they, all the NBA guys have their own little setup. So in, in Rio, it was a yacht um, yeah. outside of the village um, here. I don't know what, where they were here, but yeah, they have their own setup. They're, they're not staying in the village. Would they have fit on that bed? No, absolutely not. But supposedly they had extenders. I didn't need them. Oh, uh, yeah, that's OK. Uh, I guess, I too, before I get into, you know, what you got going on now, and I like to ask one question, but like was was the Olympics TikTok heaven for you? So for people that don't know, you're kind of like gigantic on TikTok, right? What, what's your following right now? Uh, I think I'm about to hit 993,000. <laughs> so I got I got some TikTok questions. I know TikTok kind of blew up in the in the pandemic, but I feel like you were on it before that, weren't you? Yeah, I've I've been on it since almost the beginning for about two and a half years now. What's what's the key to getting good at it? Do you know? Just post trends. I think the most the easiest thing is post often and post the trends because that's what people want to see, no matter how cringe they are. That's what people like. <laughs> and then <laughs> was the Olympics just TikTok heaven for you? Like you're just swimming in content. Yeah, I mean it was. I was just trying to anything I could think of. I was like, if somebody, if I was someone out on the outside, what would I want to see? And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah. oh, this is cool. This is cool. Let's show the world. Let's like, let's involve people. And like, social media is doing that these days. And I had to be good for rugby too, right? Like, I'm. What did you have? Like, did you notice a big spike in followers and attention and stuff during the uh, Olympics? Yeah. Um, I mean, following wise, I gained three hundred thousand followers. Um, yeah. Comment wise, I probably had about. 300,000 comments um, um, on my post and majority of them were one of two things. One was, Hey, I'm tuning into the Olympics this year because of you or two is, Hey, 
I just watched my first rugby game because of you. And That's those awesome. are the two best. That's awesome. I know. Like I've seen, I saw your, your bed video because you did break your bed, right? I jumped on it multiple times. <laughs> it did not break. Oh, you didn't break your bed. I feel like I saw one where like, wasn't there like a little like. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was like a, a crack in one of the boards. Yeah, <laughs> that was me. Yeah, I feel like I saw that on like Bleacher Report or something. So you even transcended like TikTok. You're making it onto, you know, other platforms, other things of, you know, media publications which is just good for for rugby and good for you obviously that's awesome to see yeah, thank you <laughs> so cody look, another question i like to ask like people that played rugby for a while and i guess this will be my second to last one before i let you go uh do you have a favorite rugby memory hmm i my yeah i got a favorite rugby memory so my favorite rugby memory was in 2018 when we won the las vegas sevens mm-hmm. um I, for six years, went to that tournament and watched. And to be able to just run out on the field at that tournament in front of my home crowd and in front of my family, earn my first cap was, you know, was the most incredible feeling because I had accomplished my goals at that point. But to go into day two, have an opportunity at the cup and win, and for all those fans who I was used to crowding the field, you know, I was used to jumping over, running past security. Mm-hmm. All the fans jumped and were running after me. Like my <laughs> brother came and tackled me in a security. Yeah. I had to pull him off. Like my wife is there. My, my mom's there. Like all these people are coming up, running up to me, like celebrating with me, like all these diehard USA rugby fans. And that was the most incredible feeling. And then obviously going and getting the cup and getting our medals and then getting to share that with the fans who went wild. Like they yeah. went wild when we won that tournament. That's awesome. I like asking that question because, again, it is so different for everyone. Like, you know, you talk to people that have played in World Cups and sometimes they say, oh, yeah, my favorite, you know, rugby memory is playing in my like high school state championship game or something like that. So, I mean, that's a great answer. That's that's a very worthy one. I feel like that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Uh, so, Cody, what, what's next for you, man? I know you, you just had this little break. You're back home in California now. So what, what, what do you have on the calendar? Yeah, back home. So uh, right back into training September 1st. And we're getting ready for Vancouver, which is our first stop on the series this year. And then um, Edmonton after that. Um, so that's the immediate what's next now. Like the, the year goal is to go to the Rugby World Cup next year in Cape Town. And then the four three-year goal is to get to the Paris 2024. Is that a little bit nicer that it is like that much shorter? Like that it is a three-year window rather than yeah, know, it is. This it's kind of weird because one we, you just went through. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different. It's weird because you you're expecting like this. The fourth year out from the Olympics is usually a dead year, and it's like where they kind of like wash the team, bring in new guys, you kind of learn and, and and get to practice. But we're right back into like World Cup is next <laughs> year. Like we're back into yeah. it, man. Like we're going. I thought it was even <laughs> weird. Like after during this Olympics. You know, you're, you start thinking about, like, the Winter Olympics. That's in, like, February, right? I mean, yeah. It's so crazy. Like, man, we just had the Olympics. Let's back again. But that's yeah. what COVID will do to you. All right, Cody. That's all the questions I had for you, man. I, I hope I didn't leave anything out. It was awesome talking to you. Please tell the people how they can follow you, how they can keep up with you, um, you know, where they can catch you playing next. I know you just talked about some of the series uh, circuits. But but please just, just uh, get, let us know how we can keep up with you. Yeah, guys. Uh, if you go to Instagram, at Cody Melfi Rugby, or go to TikTok at Cody Mill if you can follow me both on there. If you have any questions, ever want to ask me anything, I respond to all my DMs on Instagram. And 
watch out for us on ESPN plus. That's usually where we play. All right, Cody. Thanks so much, man. It's good catching up with you and I'll catch up with you down the road. Yeah, sweet man. Thanks. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with USA Rugby 7's Olympian Cody Melfi. No, I certainly did. Wanted to try to get him in person, but schedules just didn't line up and he had to go back to California. Uh, but I really do appreciate him jumping on and talking a little bit about his story. And uh, I really did enjoy that conversation we had about capitalizing on opportunities. I think that's important message and it's something that people, you know, learn too late. So it's good to hear it straight from the horse's mouth because he's a living, breathing example of what that looks like. So I really enjoyed that and hope you did too. So we're going to jump into the required reading portion of the show. Uh, this piece that I'm going to spoon feed to you all is called Rugby Town Documentary Series Charts Journey of Crossover American Athletes by Sam Bruce for ESPN Scrum. So this piece is obviously talking about the Rugby Town docuseries that they've been filming here about the Exos uh, all of the last year. Yeah, the, the documentary, if you remember, we talked about they had a distribution deal in place for New Zealand, Australia, and the Pacific Islands. That all is set to debut, I think, on Sunday. It's supposed to debut this weekend. So this is a good article in this ESPN Scrum, you know, just about making the documentary and about the program itself. There's a ton of good quotes from Exo Hooker Jalen Robinson in there. Um, and I will, of course, link the article in the article that houses this podcast as well as putting it in the description for the podcast all you have to do is just scroll down whatever you're listening to this podcast and click on it check that article out it's a good one it's nice and long it's a lot longer than i thought it was going to be um, and it does i think a good job painting the picture of kind of what's going on around here and it's cool to see it just expand you know cross over some some oceans expand borders seems like the world's kind of starting to take notice uh, and hopefully the the documentary is well received and they find a way we can watch it here. That'd be awesome to, to see. We'll go ahead and close the show out with the loop. Expect to see some news surrounding the Exos in the next week or so. That's all I'm allowed to say. But you can also expect to see some matches announced for them as well coming up pretty soon. They'll, they'll have a very active fall from what I've heard. And it sounds like they're putting the finishing touches on a couple of things. So keep an eye on that. The best way you can keep up with all that news is by following us on Twitter at the NVR underscore rugby at Colton Strickler. That's my show for the week. Thank you for listening. I hope you all had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend, and I will catch you all back here next week.